Hello, everyone. Welcome to the First Love Podcast. So glad that you're here. Looking forward to sharing with you. Over the next two podcasts, I'm going to do a part one, part two, and it centers around this verse that Jesus said to John's disciples who went back and relayed to John, where Jesus said, blessed are you if you are not offended with me. And it centers around this whole idea when God doesn't live up to our expectations. In other words, the title of our series is when God doesn't measure up. And how do we handle that? What do we do with that? Well, quickly, in terms of just some background, I'm going to share out of a book first. It's called The Prisoner in the Third Cell by a guy named Gene Edwards. He's written a number of really great books. But this book has been really a challenge. It's been helpful to think through, to wonder, is my love for God, my trust in God, is it for God himself? And especially allowing him when he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Or it's very easy for us to have an idea about how we think God ought to do things. And that if God were good and if God were loving, it would look like a certain way to us. And in doing so, it's very tempting for us to create God in our image, to create an idea of God and the way he ought to behave and ought to act if he were really good and loving. And realizing, you know, that's not a good thing. It's a form of idolatry, actually, because we're, yeah, we're not allowing God to be God. And I'm mostly doing this because in my life, and maybe in your life too, whether it's you personally who's listening today, or you know of people that have ongoing suffering, ongoing struggle, ongoing pain, and it just seems like you've tried everything, you've prayed hundreds and thousands of times, and nothing seems to change, and it begins to wear on your mind. It begins to wear on your heart, like, God, do you care? Do you really hear me? Do you answer prayer? And I think it's in light of that that Jesus says these words. So real quick, just the setting is Matthew 11 where John is in prison, and he's heard about the deeds of the Messiah, his cousin, right? So he sends his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, just the very nature of the question, I'm sure John had to know about Mary. Probably Elizabeth, his mother, told him stories, and some of the things surrounding Jesus' life, I mean, John even remembers baptizing him and probably experienced somehow when the heavens opened and the Lord spoke and the dove, the Holy Spirit came down. And so I'm sure there were things at different points where John's thinking, of course, this is the guy. But then he starts hearing about the deeds of the Messiah, the text says, verse 2, 11, 2. And some things aren't adding up for him. He's got an idea of what the Messiah is supposed to look like. Well, of course, everybody's struggling with that. The Pharisees, remember Peter, even a few chapters later in 16, when Jesus says that he's going to go die, and he goes, no, you're not. And Jesus has to say, Pete, get behind me. Because Pete, he's like, you got to be kidding me. That can't be what God's doing. And of course, the Pharisees, the Pharisees have such an idea of what the Messiah would look like and what he would accomplish and what the outcome was going to be. And Israel was going to be the supreme nation again. And so they don't care about anything that Jesus is doing. When he's not lining up, their decision is to want to kill him. People struggle at times 
with an idea they have about God, an idea about the way God should work or his Messiah should work or the Holy Spirit should work or his promises should be fleshed out. And it's very, very easy for us to think that God ought to do it the way we think. That's going to lead to some really difficult times for you (laughs) if we don't allow God to really mean it. It's not a cop-out when he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. It's because he really is God. He really is sovereign. He knows the whole picture. He knows the beginning and the end. And in the long run, we have to be okay with how our life goes in that big story, which, of course, the ending of the big story is that the Lord's coming back, and we're going to get those new bodies, and we're going to have a new planet, and it's going to be without all this suffering and all this pain and issues and problems and sin. There is an awesome day coming. But in between the times, we're here for his sake. We need to make sure that we keep being reminded our life is for his sake and his purpose. But then again, we have these little moments where I'm sure John the Baptist had a clear sense that Jesus was the Messiah, but then he's not doing Messiah-like things, at least according to his expectation. So Jesus replies, verse 4, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me, which is the NIV. In the book, Gene Edwards' book, he constantly says, blessed is he who does not take offense or is not offended with me or by me, which is what the ESV and the NASV says. And why the NIV said stumble and the other says not offended or take offense at is because the word is this word, maybe somewhere along the line you've heard a sermon about this, but the one that that it gets used most often is 1 Corinthians 1.23 where Paul says, I preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jew. Or the New Living Translation said, though, the Jews are offended. The word in Greek is skandalon. In this sentence where Jesus says, blessed are you as anyone who does not stumble or is offended on account of me, it's another form of that, the verb form, skandalisme. And then another place where it says when Jesus went into his hometown and it says that the people in his hometown took offense at him, eskandalizanta. How's that for a mouthful? The point is, you hear the word scandalon in the verb, in the noun. It was a scandal. It's stuff that was a stumbling block because it was scandalous. It, it didn't line up, and so or they took offense at it. Well, here's the thing is that Jesus says, and John, blessed are you if you do not stumble, or in this case in the book, he says over and over again, that you do not take offense or are not offended with me. Well, in the book, he talks about the fact that the disciples go, they hear Jesus say this, John's disciples go back and visit John in prison, and that's why the title, The Prisoner in the Third Cell, is that he's in one of these cells. And so the disciples come back, and so John asks, well, what did he say? And he says, well, you know, the blind see and the lame walk, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, okay. And then John says, well, did he say anything else? And then they said, well, yes. He said this, and tell John, blessed is he who is not offended with me. 
And he's like, really? Okay. Well, then what happens is that in the next few chapters of this book, Gene Edwards talks about ways that over Israel's history, over church history, over the New Testament history, where Hebrews says there's a cloud of witnesses. Remember in the, the Saints Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, where there were many who did not see the fulfillment in the course of their lifetime. And at one point, he writes this little chapter where a lot of people had come to be healed by Jesus, and then Jesus moved on to the next town. And he says, imagine that morning a mother who had come all the way from Damascus carrying her crippled child would begin the long trek home, still carrying a beloved child with a never-to-be-healed twisted foot. Throughout all the rest of her long life, this mother would wonder why the Lord had not waited just a few more moments before dismissing the crowd, for she was next in line. Blessed are you if you are not offended with me. That same morning, an old man was guided back to his home by a friend there to ever wonder until the day he died what sight might have been like if only he had been able to reach the master healer just a few minutes earlier. But his destiny would forever be a life of darkness and wondering. Blessed is he who is not offended with me. And Jean continues to just go through these different ones where when it's all said and done, many were healed, but not all. And that's really difficult. I don't know if you struggle with that. Or many have the the touchdown story or the great testimony. You've heard me talk many times about James and Peter. James got his head cut off and Peter got the angel come and set him free from the prison. Well, we all are looking for Peter's story. We're not looking for James' story. Well, at the very end of this little book, probably take an hour to read, but it's really thought-provoking. But he concludes with this brief little chapter, and I want to read it to you. A day like that which awaited John awaits us all. And this is a day where John suddenly sees the guy come in to cut off his head. And he gets his head cut off. He doesn't get delivered like Peter did. So he says, a day like that which awaited John awaits us all. It is unavoidable because every believer imagines his God to be a certain way and is quite sure his Lord will do certain things under certain conditions. But your Lord is never quite what you imagined him to be. You have now come face to face with a God whom you do not fully understand. You have met a God who has not lived up to your expectations. Every believer must come to grips with a God who did not do things quite the way it was expected. You are going to get to know your Lord by faith or you will not know him at all. But here's the thing. It's faith in him. Trust that is in him, not in his ways. Today you are resentful of those who so callously hurt you. But no, not really. The truth is you are angry with God because ultimately you are not dealing with men, you are dealing with the sovereign hand of your Lord. Behind all events, behind all things, there is always his sovereign hand. The question is not, why is God doing this? Why is he like this? The question is not, why does he not answer me? The question is not, I need him desperately. Why does he not come rescue me? The question is not, Why did God allow this tragedy to happen to me, to my children, to my wife, to my husband, to my family? Nor is it, why does God allow injustices? 
The question before the house is this. Will you follow a God you do not understand? Will you follow a God who does not live up to your expectations? Your Lord has put something in your life which you cannot bear. The burden is simply too great. He was never supposed to do this. But the question remains, will you continue to follow this God who did not live up to your expectations? And blessed are you if you are not offended with me. You know, you think about the story of Job in particular, where in the same way Job has had this life of enormous blessing and then all these awful things come that just don't seem right, they don't seem fair. If he was a righteous man, which God himself says that he was, he would have an expectation for his life to go well and then suddenly his family is wiped out and then later everything that he owns and then at some point it's his own body where he doesn't know that God is so proud of him and has such confidence in his loyal heart toward him that he allows the enemy to do this stuff to him to just prove that Job really loves him, not based on anything he has, not based on everything going just the way he expected and hoped for. That challenge is before us all the time. You may have someone in your life where you're feeling them undergoing the challenge. And I'm telling you, when we have to walk with friends and family who are going through this stuff, it also challenges us. Again, I have several friends that have been struggling for a long, long time, and I don't understand what's going on in their lives. And I do take comfort in hearing the Lord tell me, Mark, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They are higher than yours. That somehow, someway, we have to trust the big picture. We still have to trust that God is good. We still have to trust that in the end, there is going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing future. Again, the dangers for so many of us is that we keep thinking that the future is now. We keep thinking that all that blessing should happen now. We are tempted to think that, gosh, if we're following the Lord and obeying Him and doing all the right stuff, shouldn't that lead to blessing? Perhaps that would lead to healing. Or, God, why would you allow this to go on for so long for a person who really loves you and is faithful to you, etc.? We just have these questions. The bottom line is, is that we really need to hear the Lord afresh say, and blessed are you, blessed are you, if you are not offended with me, offended by me, that we still trust him. This goes back to the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust me with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. If you're trying to trust because you get it, because it makes sense, it's going to be difficult. Of course, Paul experienced so many things that, gosh, if I thought of anybody who would be tempted to be frustrated with God, angry with God, the unbelievable irony to me is that Paul is so totally opposite, that he delights in his weakness, he rejoices in his suffering, that he's not bothered by it. He sees that God is always working in it and trusts that God is always working it, whether he sees it or not. But I think most of all then is that when all this stuff is happening, where he's pressed down and experiencing so much of that stuff that he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, he finally says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And here again, I don't know how he's able to say this, but he says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Friends, what it finally boils down to is that it's just so easy for us to get confused by what we see or don't see, especially when we have expectations. And I think our ultimate expectation has to be that our lives are for His purpose and for what He wants to do. And in the end, all is going to be made right when He returns, when we see Him again. And that's why Paul says, so we don't lose heart. There is an amazing future. All things are going to be set straight. And even while you're going through it, let me come and renew. Let me come and refresh. Let me come and strengthen your inner being every moment of every day so that these things can become light and momentary to you once again as you think about the unseen that's forever, that's eternal, that's lasting, that's going to be amazing. I just pray right now for those of you who are listening today, and especially if you have friends, oh, that you would be reminded that God really is good. And even though we didn't understand that Jesus' crucifixion, people thought, what is that all about? And yet there was a resurrection, and then there was our experience for all the rest of us. Somehow, some way in our lifetime, we may not see it. But will we trust the Lord? Will we not be offended by Him when He doesn't measure up to our expectations? So, Lord Jesus, empower us, strengthen us, help us to not lose heart, to not be offended, to again let you come right now and renew our inner being, renew our faith, renew our heart, and most of all, empower us to fix our eyes on what is unseen, what is eternal, what is going to be so amazing so that what's going on right now, Lord, does not overwhelm our souls. So bless us, Lord. Help us. Thank you. Thank you for your promise to renew us. Let it happen afresh today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great day.